Whether we're talking about the fear of failure or anything else holding you back, confidence is the key to unleashing your power. Welcome to Confident with me, Sherry West, and my fearless daughter, Olivia. The world needs confident, inclusive leaders who embrace diversity to rise up. The time is now. Join us. Welcome to episode four, Tell Your Story. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Well, Liv, this is an exciting week. Yes, it is. It's a week where the glass ceiling has been broken. Mm -hmm. Congratulations to Senator Kamala Harris, who became the very first woman of color, she's both Black and Asian American, to be chosen as a major party's vice presidential candidate. That's amazing. How excited are you, Olivia? I'm so incredibly excited. Yeah. And, you know, what is really extraordinary is one of our live girl parents sent me a picture of her daughter who is black watching um senator harris accept the vice president presidential nomination and the picture was just so historic in that there are girls of color all over the world right now dreaming new possibilities because of what senator kamala harris has done it shows how important representation is absolutely this is just the next step and it's truly amazing absolutely well also amazing is our guest here today. Yes. And Team Builder, who helps companies and individuals develop their content strategy, define their narrative, and form smart partnerships. She most recently ran content and programming at The Riveter, and before that, led a global team overseeing content and campaigns for WeWork. During her media career, she developed and launched magazines for Airbnb and Bumble, and was an editor for Seventeen, Self, and Cosmopolitan magazines. And her writing has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, Cosmopolitan, Self, Natural Health Magazine, and more. She's a National Magazine Award, Glad Media Awards, Folio Top Woman in Media, and Deadline Club recipient. Wow. Well, welcome to Confident, Laura. Hi, it's so good to see and hear you guys. It's amazing to see you again. Um, Laura was with Live Girl back in 2018 when she was at Seventeen Magazine, and we had a big yep. leadership summit back when big hundred-person leadership summits so were possible. We all hugged and took pictures together, and yeah. so had fun. good energy. So your bio is lengthy amazing. and amazing. Um, <laughs> can we just start maybe with you sharing one fun fact that wasn't included in your bio? Um, yes, I was a co-author on the Cosmopolitan Bedside Astrologer book. Oh. So I actually um, learned a ton about astrology when I was at Cosmo, and I worked closely with the woman that was then our astrologer, Aurora Tower, and um, she studied at Brown to put together like a self-directed program to be an astrologer, and um, I learned so much from her, and I did her book with her. So, um, you so, know, yeah. I love asking people about their sign, their rising sign, their moon sign. What is your sign? I'm a Libra, but Leo rising. <laughs> Sagittarius. I'm a Gemini. That's oh, air signs. Air <laughs> signs. Those are, well, something not so fun is I just heard that you had a r- tough week, that you broke oh. Both your elbow and your laptop. That's a horrible and my car AC. Um, and my job at the Riveter ended. It was like a little bit of a life Mageddon kind of week. Um, but more difficult, breaking the elbow or oh, the, the laptop? laptop. <laughs> By far. The elbow, thank God, was just a fracture. 
And while it like killed for the first few days, it's been healing really well. I like have a sling that I don't really wear. And the hardest part is, um, you know, doing physical therapy. Um, it can't take any weight. And I also can't get this arm into the position it needs to be to put my hair in a ponytail. <laughs> and that is making me somewhat insane. But so I keep like doing these like weird side buns. Right. Um, it's it's the little things that become the big things when you have yeah. But um, one, I was late, a little bit late this morning because I had to go drop off my Mac at like a FedEx drop box to go back to Apple to get it so I would be able to get it fixed and back by Friday. So. Dear Apple, please help Laura and catch her quickly. It was so funny because I tweeted, as you saw, that I you know broke my elbow on my laptop and everybody was like, your elbow. And I was like, no, no, my laptop is the issue. Focus. <laughs> Especially right now in our virtual world. Yes, but thank goodness, local store in town, Geek Hampton, gave me a loaner for the week, so I'm okay. Right. For the week. So, Laura, these are that was a tough week, um, but you know, life is tough. I, yeah. how, how do you deal with these types of setbacks? This, I, I have to say, you know, you never know, as you said, what's going to set you off. Um. I am lucky enough that I am renting a house out of the city for a month with some good friends and it is making all the difference. Like being able to kind of be sitting outside, having some sunshine near the water. It's very lucky. And it kind of, it does put everything into perspective that like, you know what, everyone's healthy at the moment in my little world. It's okay. Um, and I think when you've had a career for a long time, you know that there are twists and turns. And I'm actually sort of, while I had a great time at the Riveter and wish them well, um, I'm excited for what's next, actually, which feels good. I love that. Yeah. Optimis awesome. Optimism. Yeah. And I first met you when you were at Seventeen Magazine, where you brought a broader sense of awareness to girls and women's issues, and you've continued to champion um, women at companies, including WeWork and The Riveter. Can you talk about making that type of change from the inside out? It was such a learning curve when I got to WeWork. Um, I was suddenly running a global team of like 45 people. I was overseeing things I had never done before. And the focus was obviously kind of the future of work and kind of at when I was there, it was, um, you know, they wanted to have everybody feel more conscious and intentional and connected. And I could totally get behind that. Um, but the focus was not necessarily women, of course, because um, obviously it was a co-ed space. And that took me a second. I remember being in meetings and conversations talking about kind of the focus of different projects or campaigns. And like the voice in my head would be like, why aren't we focusing on how this will affect women? And it wasn't that they were um, being, you know, not conscious of women. It was just, they were looking at a broad, broader scope. And that took me a second to get used to. But it was an amazing experience in terms of actually seeing the question of creating more equity in the workplace through a more diverse lens. And, during my time at the Riveter, you know, it, this was funny, I started in March and ended last week. So my entire tenure there was during quarantine. Mm. Like 
I never met any of my coworkers except for the couple I knew ahead of time in person. The whole experience was digital. And it was during obviously the craziest period I hope any of us lived through. And, you know, first quarantine and sort of all of the kind of issues of economic disparity that came up during working from home and who was able to work from home and who wasn't. And then obviously the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement in June. And that really drove home that there's no such thing as kind of, you can't have gender equity without racial equity mm-hmm. and how much um, white feminists like me need to do to kind of create space and amplification for black women. And if you don't kind of find, do the work to make a good seat at the table for everybody, your seat doesn't matter that much. So yeah, that was my, that's been my big sort of, I always felt that way, but really solidified over the last few months. So well said. And, you know, back to the WeWork example, I think that perfectly illustrates the importance of representation and having a diversity because you're going to ask the question from your perspective as a woman and a black woman's going to ask a different question and people with different experiences are going to ask different questions. And that, that really does perfectly illustrate the importance. And we work, um, is really great with, um, they have a really strong pride group and LGBTQ, uh, rights and representation. And so it's a really kind of powerful part of the culture there. And that was like another, it was like, oh, this is good. Like that was when I started putting pronouns on my email when I was worked at WeWork because someone explained like, if you don't, you're saying your cisgendered experience is the default. Mm -hmm. So if you put pronouns in there, it creates it, it makes it kind of safer and better for people for whom that might be questioned. So Mm -hmm. that was keeping learning. Right, and it's more inclusive. Yeah. And we, we want everyone to feel safe and included. And at Live Girl, of course, that's that's our whole goal, is we are operating at the intersection of race and gender. And really, our mission is to build confident, inclusive leaders and to make sure that people know how to build authentic bridges to, to others whose lives are different yeah. than their own. Because that's, that's what it's all about, is just kind of getting outside of yourself and understanding someone else's perspective. So I love that. Empathy. I mean, I, I, I think... Um, no matter what your politics are, Joe Biden's empathy really came through every night of the Democratic convention. And I think that this, yes, all right. (laughs) So Biden-Harris, I'm like full stop, not even pretending. Um, And I think this is a time that empathy is essential because, and it's harder because we're not seeing each other face to face. So the only way to kind of succeed and grow is by finding ways to be empathetic with those around you. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. Which you um, created with Live Girl. So I want to talk a little about on um, when you look read through your bio. At at first, it seems diverse. I mean, you're going from the magazines to WeWork to the Riveter, but when you look more closely, you see this common thread where at all these different organizations, you are the master storyteller. And can you just talk a little bit about this expertise and the importance for young women to be comfortable in telling their own story? You know, I always think of the line from Hamilton, who tells her story. 
Mm -hmm. And that (laughs) matters, you know, like the story, you know, history belongs to the storytellers and how, who tells the story affects what the framework framing of it is, the lens through which you're seeing it. And so I've always been um, a story, like I love stories. I'm always like, tell me a story. Like when I'm like with a friend and um, I think that is what makes you care about things is, is putting kind of um, issues or even like goals into the framework of a story. And so it, and I think a lot more brands are realizing that now and a lot more people, it's kind of like, what's the narrative that you're trying to tell? What is the kind of, arc who's the who's the hero and what are they trying to accomplish and you know for the riveter it was trying to you know create a community of women working with women who could tell their stories and um all kind of working towards a more equitable workplace um and you know i think the blending between kind of traditional media and brands and the content that brands can do that is going to keep getting more and more fluid. Um, But, you know, when you think about Olivia, when you think about like writing college essays, Mm -hmm. like you're telling your story, you're kind of saying like, how do I want people to see me? And, you know, one of the great things from this summer was like all of the books being bought that were written by black women and black men, of course, but black women, um, because we're we're getting to see things like see the stories that matter to someone else that are kind of part of a different community's ethos maybe than from our own um i think that's so powerful and i think this is where some gender biases come in in yeah. that men when they're telling their story um they're much more comfortable and kind of getting out there and using these powerful words about what they've accomplished and what they can do. And sometimes women, um, you know, they're not as comfortable doing that. And it's, it's, you know, I don't know if you have advice on that, but I think women need to get a lot more comfortable and putting themselves out there and telling their story and and doing so in a very profound, impactful way. Um, And making sure you're the hero of your story. Like you're the central character in your story. Obviously there are times in your life where you, where that's not the case, but overall, you know, you shouldn't be the, you know, funny sidekick or the romantic lead. Like there were, there are still a lot of movies with like a male action hero and then the girlfriend role. And, you know, we should be, thinking about our lives and how we're kind of telling our stories and putting ourselves at the center of it while we continue to kind of center the experiences of others. Um, You know, it's hard. I think, Olivia, that your generation is what's changing this in terms of women being able to be proud of their accomplishments and own when they need help. And, And I think we've been preaching to be proud of your accomplishments, but we haven't been preaching as much own when you need help. Mm-hmm. And that led to a lot of women, Sherry, I don't know if you feel this way, but times in my career, certainly where it was like the thought of asking for help didn't even like cross my mind. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I got this. 
I know how to do this. And that's not, that's too far one direction. It's sort of, you just need to feel um, safe, accepted, and powerful enough to be authentic, I guess. Um, there are studies that women that center themselves too aggressively and confidently in certain situations, the men hearing them will not receive it well. And I think that is shifting with your generation, Olivia. And I think that is, Sherry, as you said, another reason why we need diverse leadership and different people at the table. Right. So that, you know, we can kind of, if you, if we're at a table together and Olivia, you say something great, I can say, oh my God, did everyone hear what Olivia just said? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I was in a meeting um, a year or so ago with my kind of creative partner at work, um, a guy who, the greatest guy ever. And I said something in the meeting and nobody heard it. And then a man, a consult outside consultant, like I wasn't even at the company, said the same exact thing. And everybody was like, wow, that is a great idea. And after the meeting, I said to my friend, I was like, did you really, did you see what happened there? They didn't hear it when I said it. They only heard it when the white guy said it. And he was like, I didn't notice it at all. And now that you're saying it, wow, that was real. He was like, okay, what should I have done? And I was like, no, you know, you're awesome. And you're a real kind of ally and good guy that you're asking that. And what you could have done is be like, oh, Tom, so that's exactly what Laura just said. Right. right. You know, glad you agree with what Laura just said. Like, and you need allies in the room for that kind of thing. Right. So let's talk about women and power. You have an interesting perspective as you engage in discussions at Davos every year. Um, first, could you explain to our young listeners out there what exactly Davos is? Yes. Yeah, so Davos, to start with, is just a town in Switzerland, but it is the <laughs> town in Switzerland that the World Economic Forum has their annual global summit. And they have different global summits actually on different continents throughout the year, but the one that gets the most attention um, is Davos. And it's this tiny little Swiss ski town that one, two weeks a year, all the like world leaders converge on. And it is amazing. Um, and thanks to the amazing Shelly Zalis of the Female Quotient, I got to go for the first time five years ago. And um, if you haven't interviewed Shelly yet, you should. Um, or Talia Bender, who works with her, who hasn't been interviewed as much, so she would be a great interview. Um, and the first year I went was 2016. And I felt really like I stood out being a woman who worked in media, who was there. Mm -hmm. Like that I wasn't kind of, um, you know, a tech founder, mm -hmm. um, and that I worked for a women's publication. There were certainly female journalists there, but maybe they worked for like, you know, the Financial Times. Um, and I had to explain to a lot of people, people were like, you work for Cosmo, what are you doing here? I was like, oh, well, we're the biggest magazine in the world for young women. So any conversations around the future and, you know, future of work and power, 
it's really important for us for someone representing young women to be at the table and their interests. They were like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and by the time, by this past year, um, there were so many more women everywhere. And I really saw, have seen the difference in five years of, you know, more women, more, um, more different points of view being represented, um, more diverse attendees in every way, which is kind of amazing. It's it, like a, visu a visual kind of expansion of power. And I love what you're doing is helping to change those very set perceptions on what a leader yeah. looks like and sounds like. And, and really, again, from the inside out, yeah. making that change to make sure that, you know, people have a seat at a table and that it, there's diverse representation mm -hmm. and that we're hearing all the different voices that need to be heard. So I, I love that. I love, and what you guys, what you're both doing and you put so much time into is kind of, you know, creating opportunities for women and girls to come together and see each other as allies rather than competition. And that is so important. And it, it's incredible. It's honestly incredible. I mean, we're so passionate about the work we do. And I've come to realize that the talent that's in this next generation is just off the charts. And many times they just need a launching pad and the right connections or mentors or role models to like really like launch them. Um, so it, it's, it's really incredible. They, this next generation gives me so much hope. Same. <laughs> and, and we need hope right now. So <laughs> totally. So Laura, what's next for you? So I know you just mentioned that you've just recently left the Riveter and I love, I want to talk about this because right now, um, I, I want to know how you're handling the uncertainty on top of the uncertainty of the pandemic and you know what, you know, I, cause I know there's some lessons in there for, for our young women. Well, I am doing something this morning that I've never done before, and it goes back to something I was saying earlier. I'm actually taking the time. I hired a career coach that I am going to do a two-week kind of intense little program with um, to say I'm not 100% sure which direction I want to go next. I am so lucky to have some options and like different paths and kind of like, do I want a corporate job where I can make impact on like a bigger scale? Do I want to try to build something of my own? Do I want to go work for another female-led startup? Do I want to just do some consulting for a minute and not lock into a full-time job? And I've been running so hard and fast for so many years that I, ne I never kind of took the time to sit back and be like, what, what will get me to what matters to me most. What, what will help me spend time on work that will be A, most fulfilling, and also most lucrative. And I think a lot of women I know um, have a trouble saying that they want to make money. Mm -hmm. um, they have trouble saying that like, yeah, I wanna like, I wanna make more money. And that is something women have a hard time saying. Men do not have a hard time saying that. Even saying it to you guys right now. I was like tripping <laughs> over the words. Like, um, but I am, I do think that, I hope, I, I hope that this, I don't know if it's like a lesson, but like, I'm really excited that I kind of said like, you know what, it's, maybe it's okay to like pull back and tell, say like, 
I, I'd like some help navigating this moment right now and not just be like, I've got this. Um, so I'll let you know how it goes. But I have my first session with her um, in about 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a huge lesson is like you're not hitting the panic button, but rather leveraging this as an opportunity for positive self-reflection. And I think for me personally, if the, pan the biggest thing the pandemic has taught me is that we need to be present. We don't always need to be planning what's next and what, you know, what's going to happen in the future because, you know, obviously during this global pandemic and the uncertainty and that it's facing all of us, that, that's an obvious one, but really in everyday life too. I mean, life is uncertain and mm -hmm. for all of us to learn kind of that resilience and to be present and, um, you know, just, you know, the future's going to, the future will be there. Yeah. <laughs> when we get there. So I, I think that's a huge lesson learned to hear how you're approaching this. Yeah. I'm super excited. And somebody that like, you know, recommended through friends and um, we'll see. And I'm taking the time to like do some fun, small things that I haven't taken the time to do in years. I wrote my first freelance story for a friend's, uh, editing a new magazine last week. And I was like, I haven't done this in like two years. Wait, this was how this all started. Wanting to write articles. Right. This is great. So getting back to basics too. Right, love it. Yeah. And going off of that, what's your best advice for future female leaders such as myself? <laughs> um, you know, I think a few years ago, I would have just said like, you've got this, but like, I think it's trust yourself to do the right thing in the good moments and the hard moments, you know, like both hard, both extremes kind of just show you who you are and what you've got. And when things are easy and you're ascendant, you have to be sort of conscious of what am I trying, what, who am I, what am I trying to accomplish in this moment? And when things are bad and, you know, lean, lean on your people. You know, I, I, when we, when I talked to the group at Live Girl, I talked a lot about my friendships and how, you know, I think I learned more in my life from my friends, from my peers than an older mentor, honestly. And cause we're all doing things at different paces and, so I think it's trust yourself, check in to make sure that you are, you know, living up to you and check, check in with your friends when you're not sure and kind of know what friends are good at what, like the friend that is going to tell you whether, you know, that top goes with those shoes may not be the same friend that's going to tell you to tweak something on your resume. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's cool. Like you get, you've got all different people hopefully in your life. Um, and if you don't, it's not too late to make them. Right. And, um, it's never too late. Yeah. And I've made, you know, I've been lucky enough that like every job I've made amazing friends and some of the people I'm closest to are like my best friends from first and second grade and people I met, you know, at work last year. So keep expanding, I guess. Keep, yeah, that's basic. Keep expanding. I like, I like that. I love that. That's yeah. a good tagline. Yeah. Keep expanding. 
So Laura, we're just going to wrap up uh, the podcast with three fun, quick questions just to get to know you a little better. Um, we call them our three wise women questions. And do you want to ask the first one? Sure. What has kept you sane during quarantine? Well, I don't know where she is right now, but I got a kitten during uh, quarantine. <laughs> we got a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's the adventures of Annabelle on Instagram. Does your puppy have an Instagram? No, no, but she should. Our Lucy is adorable. So she, I think she could be an Instagram star. <laughs> um, I, I am, you know, grooming Annabelle. I'm like a mom influencer with her. Um, so Annabelle and cooking, I love to cook and just sort of being like, so I can't go out. I'll learn how to cook that thing. I never knew how to cook before. And, you know, all the people that you connect with whether digitally or on a distant walk or whatever. So cheers to Annabelle and Lucy for getting us through the pandemic. Yes. Uh, next question is who inspires you right now as a change maker? You know what we were talking about earlier. Um, there's two main groups that inspire me right now. One is the teens. Mm -hmm. Like that action with like telling each other on TikTok to buy tickets to that rally. Right. Holy Crap. <laughs> that is amazing. Like from Greta to from Greta to Olivia, like to Michaela, um, there are just there, you know, one of the big changes with the digital age is that you don't need someone else's platform or permission to be heard. And I think, Olivia, your group is the first one to really be taking advantage of that in an amazing way. And then, of course, you know, the leaders of Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movement. You know, I've had the um, pleasure and honor to do some things with Alicia and Opal and Met Patrice. And, um, you know, these three women started this a few years ago and look where it is now and the conversation may be finally changing mm -hmm. uh, so also just oh hi oh come here annabelle oh, oh my god she's adorable she's big already she's huge she's huge adorable five months old and she's huge oh, siberians she are become very big um and um, I don't know, just the, the rising of um, the people, the people's, like everyone's individual leadership right now is inspiring of saying like, I'm going to go to a protest. I'm going to, you know, stand up for this on social media. I'm going to create this opportunity, make space for um, someone with a different voice than mine to be heard. That's really inspiring. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. And finally, who do you consider to be the greatest leader of all time, living or historical? Okay, so this has been so stressful to me since I saw this. <laughs> I, like, polled a lot of friends. Um, I Also, I have a, a group of women in a WhatsApp group that started right in March, and I barely know some of them. Some are good friends, some of them I barely know, and that group has been one that has been, like, a bastion through this. Um, and I was like, who do you guys think is the greatest living leader? Um, we all said, so I'm going to have to say just, I can't say one. I don't, I don't, I don't have it other than obviously Annabelle's quite the leader at the moment. Um, 
Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman, mm-hmm. Queen yeah. Elizabeth, like set the model for yeah. a powerful woman without a man. And as somebody who isn't married, and I have a nice boyfriend, but not married, don't have kids, um, there's not a lot of models for that, for kind of leadership mm-hmm. and success. It's one of the reasons I'm excited about Kamala. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there is this like she's so powerful and strong and smart and accomplished and you know a slightly different model as sort of she's not saying like you know I'm doing this but then I'm gonna go home and bake cookies which nothing wrong with that but like it's just it's presenting a different model so um Elizabeth the first um and then I'm just gonna you know I'm ready for Kamala to be (laughs) We're, we're ready. Yeah, we're ready as well, and we agree. Oh, and RBG. And, and RBG. So yeah. RBG. Yeah. I was RBG for Halloween last year. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and she was Rosie the Riveter. So, um, oh, well, you would have been great for my last job. <laughs> so, thank you, Laura. It's such a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. I could talk all day. Um, but I guess that brings us to the end of the podcast. If you want to wrap up, though. Yeah. And to our audience, can we ask a favor? If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. And in closing, I'm Sherry. And I'm Olivia. And we hope that you feel more confident after today's episode. And this week's challenge is to tell your story. Put yourself out there. And here's one quick way you can do that. Update your social bio with three power adjectives.